When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use promo code DNVR, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet this week and get $150 in free bets if your team wins. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got a great conversation with Jesse Friedman from PHNX Diamondbacks breaking down how the heck the Arizona Diamondbacks became so relevant in the NL West. They were six games better than the Rockies this past year. Sure, a lot of that is mostly about the Rockies not doing or playing how uh, we expected them to this past season. A lot of that having to do with the injuries to Chris Bryant uh, and others of the starting staff. But ultimately, the Diamondbacks are really starting to build something. Uh, and Jesse really dives into that. A lot. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about him. We got some news about Commissioner Rob Manfred. He made some comments recently, and they've kind of gone under the radar just a little bit. There was another trade that's going to make you feel a lot better about a certain Rockies transaction from this offseason. But I wanted to start at the top with Houston Street's Hall of Fame candidacy. We, we celebrated Houston Street Day on Monday. Three random, totally different, not connected whatsoever pieces of information about Houston street that just all happened to fall on Monday, but we learned that he is going to be on the ballot for the class of 2023. And I just wanted to take a second because there's not a lot of Rockies players that even make it to a ballot in, in some capacity. We know that Dale Murphy is going to be on the, the veterans ballot coming up here uh, at the winter meetings. I think they make that announcement where the veterans committee will go ahead and vote 16 player a 16 person committee excuse me you need 12 votes to get into the hall of fame we'll wait and see if dale murphy gets in there only had uh almost a cup of coffee at the end of his career with the 93 expansion rockies todd helton i gave you my thoughts a couple days ago that i i really think todd helton has a, has a decent shot to make some serious growth this year i don't know if it'll be enough to be 75 percent to to get in this summer but I think it will probably be at least halfway there. I, I think we could be looking definitely over the 60% mark for uh, Todd Helton uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. So he's uh, going to be one year closer. So that being said, what about Houston Street? Kind of a fan favorite, I think, for a little bit there uh, in the late 2000s there uh, before 2010. 13 big league seasons played with the A's, Rockies, Padres, Angels, Rockies fans obviously most remember him during that uh, playoff push in 2009, winning the wild card there. And from what's quite possibly the, the best trade 
in franchise history. Sure, they had to part with Matt Holiday uh, in his final year before he was going to reach free agency and go somewhere else. They got something for one year of Matt Holiday, and they brought back Carlos Gonzalez and Houston Street. Just, just fantastic. Definitely uh, in in the inner ring, inner circle of greatest Rockies trades ever. Hugh Street ended up uh, retiring pretty young. Age 33 was his final season. He battled, uh, you know, a couple injuries the last couple years. Uh, knee issues, right lat, groin strain. Did try to come back in 2018, but didn't happen for him. In fact, he's only 20, excuse me, 39 years old right now. So he, he would be one of the younger Hall of Famers uh, should he get in uh, this, this year during the voting. Break down his, his actual candidacy, but here more on his resume. 324 saves. That's 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 a that's an important number for closers. You have to have at least 300 to even be in the conversation in any capacity. Also, sub three ERA, 2.95 ERA, 141 ERA plus. Important statistic there, especially when you consider, you know, his his three years in Colorado. Two All Star appearances was the 2005 American League Rookie of the Year award winner with Oakland. He was the third straight, actually, in Oakland to win the uh, the Rookie of the Year award there. Got MVP uh, votes in two different seasons, 2005 and 2009. We talked about that uh, that one on Monday, him getting uh, the nod there in 2009 for his work there, even after losing the closers role just a little bit uh, before coming back and, and securing some things. Some of the lower-level awards, he was a two-time Player of the Week, once with the Rockies uh, in June of tw- uh, 2009. He made just under $70 million in his career. I'm always fascinated by those kind of things. And going one step further, it's probably not a surprise that of that $68.8 million he earned in his career, a little more than $4 million came from Oakland. You go, okay, they're a bit frugal. $24-plus million came from the Los Angeles Angels, who, look, they're in the news again today. We'll talk about the money that they're continuing to spend uh, on this team to try to get Otani, try to get Trout into the postseason. Uh, don't know if it's enough. We'll, we'll break it down here. Now, Houston Street's postseason resume uh, in October, he uh, played with three different franchises, Oakland in 2006, Rockies, as we know, in 2009, and the Angels in 2014. Had three saves, 6.75 ERA, but really it comes down to two critical losses in that 2009 NLDS. That, that seemed like a team that had a lot of the same flair, a lot of the same vibe as 2007. Didn't have the big run late in September to get to the postseason like the the original Rocktober 2007 Rockies did. But it had that similar vibe, especially with Jason Giambi on that roster, kind of providing uh, a lot of that flair. Now, Street did save game two with a real tight wire act, uh, allowing uh, no runs there. Uh, but he did have a one-run lead. He walked one, gave up a single to Jimmy Rollins. Uh, in the bottom of the ninth before retiring Shane Victorino there at Citizens Bank Park uh, with the score at 5-4. Tied the series 1-1 before they went back to Denver. But Game 3 and 4 didn't have it. Uh, took the loss in Game 3. Came into the game top of the ninth there at Coors Field with the hometown crowd behind him. Score tied 5-5. Jimmy Rollins gets street again with a single. Sack bump by Victorino. Single by Chase Utley. Sets up a sacrifice fly by Ryan Howard. Uh, give uh, the Phillies the lead there to win game three, six, five. And in game four, even worse, uh, Rockies had a lead. That was the one. You can win game four there. You would have to go back to Philadelphia to take game five. But at that point, again, it's it's one game. That's it. Anything can happen in one game. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Streets, even worse than game three, uh, does blow the lead in the ninth. Rockies were up. 4-2, he ends up giving up three runs, could not even get the third out before Joe Bimel, there's a name, recorded the 27th out. So that's the postseason resume, but but this guy was a dude. Like Houston Street was a dude pretty much the entirety of his career. He was drafted 40th overall out of the University of Texas. He was a Longhorn back in 2004 by the Athletics. Interesting thing is, he was on the opening day roster the next year and won the Rookie of the Year award following a season in which he's playing Division One baseball in Austin, Texas. Like, that's that's this guy's life. That that that's amazing. And he's from Austin, Texas. So, uh, got got to play at the hometown university. You know, gets drafted and then boom, you're you're a big leaguer uh, in in no time whatsoever. He played a little bit in the Arizona Fall League 
there in 2004, but was uh, was immediately a dude. Again, 324 saves uh, when he hit that mark. He was the 27th player to ever reach it. There's now, I believe, 31 guys with 300-plus saves, uh, but was one of the first pitchers, uh, you might remember, who pitched entirely from the stretch, right? Never, You never saw the windup break out, uh, even with nobody on base. He was always going from the stretch. One of the first players I can remember having that approach uh, was, was a full-time reliever even in college. That's it. Was was ne- wasn't one of those starters converted to relieving uh, when he reached the pro. Dude was was always a reliever. So uh, that that's that's one of the cool things uh, about his career. Similar players. There's a cool feature on Baseball Reference if you go and you want to kind of compare players and say, well, how how good really is this guy compared to his peers? Or maybe it's better if it's contextualized by comparing the player to someone from the past to get an idea maybe what the future could hold for this player or where they're at right now. So for Houston street, the top five players that their career or his, his statistics, his numbers are most similar to are all, are all dudes. They're all uh, almost all of them are 300 save players. Number one, Rob Nen, 314 saves, John Wetland, Mark Melanson, not at 300 yet. I don't know that he's going to get the 38 saves in his career to get there. He's got one more year left on his deal with Arizona. I could see Mark Melanson finishing up his career in Colorado. I mean, he's from Golden, so uh, that that that's in his blood. I'm sure he may like to finish his career here. That could be enough to get him over the 300 save mark. Tom Henke, 311 saves. Jonathan Papelbon, 368. Uh, in that group of five, Nen, Wetland, and Papelbon all have World Series rings. Houston Street does not. Obviously, that will, will hurt him and his candidacy. If you look at him most similar by ages, the names... You know, again, don't no Hall of Famers. Don't, don't necessarily jump out at you. Neftali Feliz, Chad Cordero, Bobby Thigpen, Rod Beck, John Wetland, Rob Nan, and actually for his age 33 season, uh, it was Trevor Hoffman. And again, you go and look at someone like Todd Helton and his career and the similar players, there's some Hall of Famers that are on that list and that, that speaks to a player's candidacy. So bottom line, uh, here's why Houston Street is a Hall of Famer. Now, he's on the ballot, first and foremost, because uh, he did serve the the minimum 10 years of, of service time in the major leagues. He's he's one of only 31 closers to reach 300 saves. And according to Jaws, he ranks somewhat favorably. We've I probably haven't talked about Jaws in a while, uh, but that's a, a system created by Jay Jaffe, who um, looks a little bit at wind shares. And he basically, he, he's got a formula. Like, we've got war for wins above replacement. He's got a formula for calculating whether or not a player may be a Hall of Famer. Rather, not if he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he calculates where that player ranks amongst all of the other players at that position. So you can go and look. And again, going back to Todd Helton, you look at where he's at, you're going to see him surrounded by Hall of Famers because he's in that top 15. He's, he's, he's up there with the greatest first baseman of all time. And so this system for, for jaws definitely allows you to get a better idea of where a guy is based on everyone else in the history of baseball at their particular position. But bottom line, the reason why Houston street, really not a hall of famer, first and foremost, it's hard to even get a closer into the hall of fame. There's only eight, there's only eight closers in the hall of fame. Right now, closer is almost a new position, quote unquote, if you will. You know, it's it's really more of a role, like a utility player, but it's it's very much a a, a newer role uh, for for relief pitchers here late in the game. Eight enshrined in the Hall of Fame, as I said, but the most recent one, Mariano Rivera, has probably made it even harder for relievers, closers to get in, because as you may know, Mariano Rivera he got one hundred percent of the vote first. And only person in the history of baseball that every voter, when they put in their ballot, they said, yes, they checked his name off. They checked his box. Not Babe Ruth, Tony Gwynn. Nope. Did did not get a hundred percent. Nolan Ryan. Nope. Joe DiMaggio. He didn't get in until his fourth year. Seriously. That's a conversation maybe for another day, but Mariano, according to jaws is number one all time. And yet here we're sitting here with Billy Wagner with his eighth year on the ballot. He is sixth in Jaws. He's not in the Hall of Fame. That's just how hard it is to make it as a closer. Wagner trending upward. He's at 51%. He's another guy that's going to take big leaps 
just like Todd Helton and just like Scott Rowland. I think we'll see Scott Rowland getting in to the Hall of Fame. The lowest Hall of Famer on that list is number 23, Bruce Suter, enshrined in Cooperstown. No relation to Brent Suter. Different spelling. Bruce Suter has two Ts. Brent Suter has, has one T. Uh, but Houston Street, 40th best closer of all time, according to Jaws. Still really good. To give you an idea of where he's at, Armando Benitez, you may remember him a little bit, uh, with the Mets, the Orioles, he's 39. Mark Melanson is 42. So great career, great career by Houston Street. The Hall of Very Good, probably not going to make it into the Hall of Fame. Probably not even going to get 5% to stay on the ballot. You need to get at least 5%, somewhere around 18 to 22 votes, depending on how many uh, ballots are submitted. You got to get 5% to stay on the ballot to get another shot next year, stay into the conversation. Joe Nathan, he got 17 votes last year, didn't even get 5%. And Joe Nathan is in the top 10, according to Jaws, amongst closers all time. So that's just how hard it can be. Jonathan Papelbon only got five votes last year. So I think Houston Street might get a vote, right? He might get a vote. But regardless, a, a great career. Uh, for Houston Street, uh, and it's just cool to see him on the ballot. We got a you know a couple more years before we see a, a few other Rockies on the ballots. You know, Carlos Gonzalez is going to have his day. He's a player that he might be able to get five percent one year. It's it's hard to get five percent. It's hard to make a ballot. It's hard to make a ballot. So uh, kudos to Houston Street because uh, just that in and of itself is is a major accomplishment and uh, and a lot of credit to uh, how good of a career he had for thirteen years in big league baseball. And look, we're having a great time uh, on the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar, because we've got the fever soccer season, the world coop or the global chalice as Susie likes to call it. It's going down 6am every day, except Turkey day. Of course, we, we got to let people rest, be with their families. And then we're back at it again at 6am on Friday noon on Friday. It's going down USA versus England. That's why you probably need to be there at 6 o'clock. Get your breakfast early. The new breakfast and brunch menu is in Fuego. Uh, you might even want to have the Bones Highland Burger twice. You have it for breakfast, great. Get some of that sushi-grade salmon in you. And then just before the game starts, maybe at 11, 11.30, double down, get another Bones Highland Burger. Uh, they're not going to stop you. If you uh, You're also a diehard. Right, if you're if you're at the diehard level, when you go over to dnvrlocker.com, you're going to get 20% off that. Maybe more importantly, if you're watching the game there at the DNVR bar, you're going to get 15% off of your tab. You get price breaks on the tailgates. We've got one coming up for the Avs, a party bus. Going to the Avs, there are going to be eight people, I believe, on this party bus. This isn't a this isn't like a 5,000 or a 200 person bus. No, there's there's only so many spots, 30-something spots, so get those tickets now. But about eight people are going to be able to sit down on the bench at Ball Arena and watch the Avs as they warm up. Uh, it's, it's a one-of-a-kind experience, again, that you can only get at dnvrlocker.com and only when you are a diehard at the dnvr.com. Broncos country, uh, I know we're not riding high right now, but the Broncos country pale ale still is. It's got that colorful Colorado legacy with the Orange Crush logo and 100% Colorado ingredients. It'll make you feel warm this holiday season, hearkening back to the days of John Elway, Terrell Davis, Ed McCaffrey, whatever it is to help get you through this football season. You know that Breck Brew and Broncos Country Pale Ale is going to help with that transition. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos Country Pale Ale near you and DraftKings Sportsbook. Hey, again, sticking with the NFL, you know they call me SGP Lions because I love my same game parlays, especially when it comes to the official sports betting partner of the NFL, DraftKings Sportsbook. It's my go-to all season long. And right now, actually, new customers, all you got to do is bet a $5 bet on any NFL team. Is it the one that's playing the Broncos? You're probably going to have a good chance, uh, perhaps, uh, to win that one. But regardless, if your team wins, you're going to get $150 in free bets if they do. They've also got a 100% boost when you 
tap into those stepped up same game parlays on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, it's amazing. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger shot you have to win big, just like I'm sure we all did. Saudi Arabia over Argentina. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What a game that was. Uh, big, big victory uh, for them over Lionel Messi and, and Argentina. But if you can't see those things off in advance, that's where the parlays are going to help you out. Stack them up, and then maybe you get that plus 2,200 or plus 2,500 like you would have when Argentina lost. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Place a $5 bet on the NFL this week. And if your team wins, you get $150 in free bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook and only with code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Joining me today from PHNX Diamondbacks, our, our sister city, our sister organization, my cousin, Jesse Friedman. How are you doing today, Jesse? Patrick, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, doing really well. Uh, as we get close to the winter meetings, we'll be out there causing all kinds of shenanigans. That's going to be uh, super exciting. Honestly, I think that's a fitting way to, to start this because I think the Diamondbacks are, uh, they may be up to some shenanigans. They, they are not looking to just sit back and be at the bottom of the NL West. Uh, we did a, somewhat of a preview earlier this season, and I said there's no way the Diamondbacks are going to finish ahead of the Rockies. And boy, was I wrong. How did this, <laughs> the, did the Diamondbacks officially tank, or was it just a rebuild in which one year they happened to lose? 110 games. I think last year was sort of the uh, the perfect storm, right? I mean, the Diamondbacks lost four-fifths of their starting rotation at the same time, essentially, in the month of May. And uh, they just didn't have depth. Uh, the D-backs just didn't have depth last year. And so when some of those bigger names went down, they just didn't have what they needed to step in and, and replace those guys. So I don't think it was a rebuild. A lot of people think that the Diamondbacks rebuilt because, you know, they're coming off of a a 52 win season back in 2021, right? I mean, that just kind of screams rebuild. Um, but that's not the choice that they made. I think if the D-backs had uh, really decided to go for a rebuild, they would have traded Zach Gallen. They would have traded Cattell Marte, you know, after a couple of really, really good seasons that he had in 2019 and 21 and, and 2021. They didn't do that. They went out and they've, they've really just uh, tried to continue and improve their roster year after year. Uh, they brought in Madison Bumgarner coming into 2020. Uh, at the time, that was viewed as, as a move to try to, you know, kind of push the chips in and continue to contend. Obviously, that's not really how things have worked out. But yeah, this is not a rebuilding baseball team. It, it never has been. And I think that's a really common mis, uh, misconception about this team. Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about you know maybe trading away some players, if if you're doing a, a full tank, uh, which obviously is not the case, a lot of fans would remember. Well, you know they did trade away Paul Goldschmidt. Um, that was after 2018. Yet they were still eight games over 500 in 2019, four games back of the second wild card. In fact, they were owners of what would now be the third wild card. So they were still good even after they traded Goldschmidt. Uh, same thing, somewhat true for for Granke and Eduardo Escobar. Those guys kind of. Uh, not the the same potent bats that that Paul Goldschmidt is. So they, uh, I think, after that, as you said, the the 2019 MLB draft was a was a very unique one for the Arizona Diamondbacks that really had nothing to do with losing. It was somewhat circumstantial that allowed them to have was it seven picks in the top 75 of the 2019 MLB draft. And I think for the most part, those guys that they've taken have done really well. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. That's been the key for this baseball team is that they they really have drafted well over the last few years. At least the early returns have been really promising. Um, and that's honestly kind of a big change for the franchise. If you look at how the Diamondbacks fared in the draft um, in kind of the early mid 2010s, it was sort of a barren wasteland for them. Uh, they had basically no first round picks or even like top five round picks. Uh, really contributed all at the major league level for those years. So, you know, they were surviving off of Goldschmidt and and Robbie Ray and, you know, some guys who who were kind of unexpectedly great for a few years there. And that's how they had the success that they had in those years. But it wasn't sustainable. And, and that's kind of the key for this team moving forward and something that their general manager, Mike Hazen, has talked about a lot is we want to build something here that's sustainable where we're not just making the playoffs 
you know, once every six years or so, which is kind of what the trend has been, you know, they want to be a, a postseason team year after year after year. And, and yeah, to your point, the, these last few drafts have worked out really well for them. And I think there's some, some optimism moving forward that maybe this is a team, uh, you know, that could contend several years in a row rather than it having be uh, so sporadic like it's been in the past. So there's a, a crop of young outfielders, so many so that the least heralded one of the group uh, ended up getting some Rookie of the Year award votes, that, that of course being Jake McCarthy. Is uh, this offseason, are, are the Diamondbacks looking to, to make any big splashes, medium splashes? And if so, where at? Because it, it does seem like they, uh, they have some good solutions or some good answers, at least for the future, uh, at just about every spot. They have way too many uh, left-handed hitting outfielders, to be frank. Um, Mike Hazen himself has has joked about this, like the fact that he has this uncanny ability to get great left-handed hitting outfielders and like not much else at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a team that that really does have a few areas that need improvement. The bullpen, I think, is, is obviously the biggest one. The Diamondbacks have been uh, near the bottom of bullpen rankings for uh, years now, frankly. Uh, it seems like it's been... Uh, you know, year after year, the Diamondbacks signing an aging veteran who doesn't really pan out. Usually by the middle of the year, they've lost their closing job and they've moved on to someone else. It's been an absolute disaster for them uh, near the back end of the bullpen. I think they're also interested in getting a little bit more right-handed uh, along the lines of of the depth of all the left-handed hitting outfielders that they have. They have some left-handed hitting infielders as well. I think that's something else they would like to do. Um, whether it happens via a big trade of, you know, a Dalton Varsho or a Jake McCarthy or one of those bigger names, it's it's hard to say, um, but it does seem like the Diamondbacks are listening and they're aware that there aren't really a lot of great options on like, you know, in free agency. I mean, it's sort of like you either get Brandon Nimmo uh, to be your center fielder or, or you're going to have a hard time finding an everyday center fielder right now in free agency. So I do think they have a lot of leverage in, in this position. Yeah, you, you talking about those veteran relievers coming in, not getting the job done, definitely gives a lot of Rockies fans some uh, some some horrible flashbacks with that. Do, do you think the Dynamax will actually make a trade uh, involving one of these outfielders in Colorado? Similar situation where there's a lot of second base, third base, first base options, uh, and only three of those positions to go around. Ezekiel Tovar, the only uh, definitive uh, position player at one spot there at, at shortstop. So you've got, you know, probably four outfielders right now. Do you just maybe sit on, on these guys and, and wait to see what 2023 has in store for them before you make that decision? Or do you might as well just do something now and maybe expedite the clock? Do you feel confident enough that you can pick the best three of that group? Will they actually do that this off season? I think it's something that they're, they're open to doing, but it's certainly not something they feel they have to do. Um, and on paper, you could make the case that it it should be something that they have to do in some ways. I mean, they have four very highly regarded left-handed hitting outfielders. And frankly, it just doesn't make much sense for most teams to have that many left-handed hitting outfielders. But um, given the fact that, you know, the DH has come to the National League, that gives them a lot more flexibility. Um, they were kind of in a position down the stretch uh, toward the end of last year of of kind of cycling these guys in and out and finding playing time for them. I don't think that's an ideal outcome, but uh, but anyone who knows, you know, baseball and has been watching this sport for a long time knows that these problems kind of have a way of sorting themselves out. Like if you come in to a season with too much depth in a particular area, chances are someone's going to get hurt or, you know, especially with younger players, maybe some of them uh, don't come out uh, quite as strong as you might hope. And and then at that point, you know, maybe you're kicking yourself for trading one of those guys to another team. So I don't think it's something they have to do, but it's definitely something that they're open to. And they have a, a unique opportunity to capitalize uh, just given how scarce, you know, those those kinds of players are in the market right now. Flipping over to the pitching side, I think there's two names that come to mind when you talk about the the resurgence of the Diamondbacks and, and and being in the hunt here in the next couple of seasons, if you will. Uh, those two guys being uh, Zach Gallen, of course, who was someone that was acquired via trade. I think a lot of people would probably go back and say Zach Allen was traded for Jazz Chisholm. Like, how, how did this happen? How, <laughs> how did something like this go down, like a sort of a challenge trade? Uh, and again, you've got the, the, the three left-handed hitting outfielders for the Diamondbacks. So They've got a lot of uh, potent hitters in the minors. Hey, you might as well use that uh, to your strength 
uh, and improve your depth in pitching and uh, and and knowing that they got a, a good young guy like Zach Allen was huge for that. And then on the coaching side, Brent Strom coming over from the Houston Astros, a guy who looked like he was all set to, to retire. He, he joins Arizona, and you start to see some of that that progress from a lot of those other starting pitchers in the 2022 season. Yeah, so first, regarding Gallon, I have to also add that not only was he traded from the Marlins to the D-backs, he was actually traded from the Cardinals uh, to the Marlins in a, uh, a, I guess I should say, infamous trade that sent Marcelo Zuna to St. Louis and sent both Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon to the Marlins in the same deal, which will will never not blow my mind. Both of those guys, uh, Gallon and Alcantara, finished top five in Cy Young voting this last year. So, uh, yeah, maybe some pain there on the, on the part of the St. Louis Cardinals. But, uh, but yeah, Brent Strom has been fantastic for this Diamondbacks team. Uh, he and Zach Gallon seem to have a, a great relationship, and um, we've been talking over and over again about the first time that those two. Uh, met in person where apparently Brent Strom came with like an enormously thick file on Zach Gallon of different ideas and different things he could play around with and whatnot. Um, they're both thinkers, you know, they're both just very cerebral. Uh, Zach Gallon in particular is a, is a hardcore tinkerer on the mound, um, almost to a fault at times where I think he can maybe overthink things at times. Uh, Brent Strom has talked about a need to maybe simplify uh, his pitch mix at times or just kind of simplify his approach at, uh, on the mound at times. But um, but yeah, I mean, Gallon was outstanding this year, you know, 12 and four with a 2.54 ERA. Uh, it was really the kind of season that the D-backs fans have been hoping for, you know, seeing him put things together over the course of an entire season. And he's the anchor of the pitching staff and uh, you know, he's going to be a big part of this thing moving forward. Rockies fans were very sorry to see his consecutive scoreless inning streak end at Coors Field. <laughs> sad day, uh, when that happened. Yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting guy. And, and it's nice when you can have voices from outside the organization come in, like you said, uh, with, a, with a, a gigantic manila folder of notes of like, hey, you guys are doing some things really well. But... <laughs> A couple of things uh, that could uh, it could be done a little bit better. I sort of feel like Madison Bumgarner uh, brings that vibe. You know, the, the Diamondbacks are kind of that perfect example of you're not ready to contend yet, but you're going to be in a short while, and so you're going to pay someone early for maybe what they're going to provide at the back end of the deal, or to really be somewhat of a Sherpa and, and provide a lot of veteran leadership for the young guys in the pitching staff. Has Bumgarner been that kind of uh, a leader uh, either by example or, or is he more of a quiet leader in the clubhouse with these other younger pitchers? I think Bumgarner does have uh, a positive relationship with a lot of guys. Um, I think a lot of Diamondbacks pitchers do look up to him and obviously his track record uh, with what he did in San Francisco and, and what he accomplished in the postseason. I mean, one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time, right? There's really no debating that. So, um, so yeah, I do think he's had a, a positive impact in the clubhouse. I, I don't know if Madison Bumgarner is necessarily your prototypical uh, leader, um, you know, uh, I guess you could you could make a case that by example, I'm sure guys are are kind of watching what he's doing and whatnot. Um, but I mean, the Diamondbacks had Zach Granke a few years ago in the organization, and he certainly wasn't your prototypical, you know, ace lead. Like he he just didn't you know fulfill that that role that maybe you have in mind for the ace of a pitching staff. But yeah, I think Bumgarner has had some positive impacts in that regard. Um, frankly, it's going to be difficult for him to lock down a role. Uh, moving forward in, in 2023, I think he has a, a, a decent chance to earn a role in the starting rotation out of spring training. Uh, Mike Hazen has said that incumbency matters, and he certainly has an inside track there. But to be honest, Patrick, it, it was a rough year for him. It was a really rough year for him. Uh, the first couple months, the numbers looked okay, uh, but all of the underlying stats said that it was kind of a disaster. And and by the end of the year, the numbers kind of started to reflect that. And uh, he needs to make some adjustments. He needs to, uh, you know, really kind of rethink his approach on the mound if he wants to continue to get hitters out moving forward. You got to wonder if uh, an umpire massaging his hand seductively could have thrown him off <laughs> his entire season. I, I don't know. Uh, probably not. But uh, yeah, he's interesting. <laughs> and I think a lot of people would probably be surprised to say, like, how do you not have room for our Madison Bumgarner when you know Zach Gallon? Okay, maybe he's your number one. You're probably yeah. a little bit familiar with Merrill Kelly as your number two. Who are these other three guys 
that could possibly usurp someone like a Madison Bumgarner uh, and take his spot. And and maybe you can talk a little bit about Dre Jamison, uh, Ryan Nelson, and then the guy coming up, uh, Mr. Spellingby himself, Brendan Fat. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you those are the the biggest names that I would that I would point to. Uh, both Dre Jamison and Ryan Nelson were outstanding last year. It was only a few starts for for each of them, so I think you have to take it with a grain of salt, but. Um, but it was against good teams too. I mean, it was Dre Jamison going into Dodger Stadium and, you know, six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, something like that. Um, and Ryan Nelson had a couple of similar outings against the Padres. They were doing it against some of the best teams that the Diamondbacks face. And I think there's there's a lot of reason to believe that moving forward, those guys could have some success. I think both of them do have a decent amount of reliever risk. Um, they both have, you know, sort of high effort deliveries that kind of, yeah, the kind of pitching motion that you watch and it kind of screams that this guy's going to be a reliever. Uh, but the D-backs aren't there yet. I think there's still uh, some hope that they can figure things out in the rotation long term. And uh, yeah, Brandon Fott coming up from AAA. He had, frankly, historic numbers in, in Reno last year. Obviously, that's a very hitter friendly environment. And he just had ridiculously a ridiculously low ERA there, uh, given the, the place that he was pitching. And And there's some more young pitchers on the way. And I think there's just a belief that once these guys get to the big lease and kind of figure things out, it's going to be hard for Madison Bumgarner to, to really have a role there anymore. I'm petitioning uh, fought to be pronounced fat. Uh, I don't know if I'll win that, <laughs> one. Uh, but, but I would like to try. I finally hear, will ownership start to spend to support this club? Or is that always going to be an issue playing uh, in the indoor mall that is Chase Field? <laughs> it is an indoor mall. I can I can confirm that as someone who spends a inordinate amount of time there. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of the ownership commitment, uh, it sounds like the D-backs will have some room to move this offseason. Um, just given the arbitration raises and whatnot that are expected, it will cost about the same amount in 2023 to field the exact same team. So like without any additions or, you know, any acquisitions outside of the organization. So um, if they want to add this offseason, if they want to add anything, they're going to have to increase payroll. And I think they're prepared to do that. Uh, the question is just, you know, what is that number? Is it five million? Is it 10 million? Um, I, I think I could see it maybe getting all the way up to 20 million um, on top of what they spent this last year. Um, that's probably the upper end, I would say. I don't expect the D-backs to go to go too, too crazy on that front yet. But uh, but yeah, you know, as much as ownership in Arizona doesn't necessarily always have uh, the best reputation, at least among fans who who don't believe the team really spends. Uh, we have seen Ken Kendrick and the ownership group step in once the Diamondbacks are in a position to contend. They've gotten up to one hundred and forty million in the past. Um I don't really see that happening this next year, but I think it's possible that the D-backs uh, do, do push things up on that front, and uh, we'll have to see exactly what that looks like this offseason. Yeah, it'll make a lot more sense when they are contending. There's more people going out to the game, so uh, there's obviously that uh, that correlation between money spent and, uh, and tickets sold. Final question, Jesse. Who do we see in the postseason first? The Diamondbacks? Or the Rockies. Who's the next one <laughs> to, to play uh, to play at least one best of three game wild card series in the National League? Arizona or Colorado? I, I don't want to say this is an easy question to answer, but it's kind of an easy question to answer. Uh, I think the Arizona Diamondbacks are just in terms of where their farm system is at and in terms of the talent they already have on the big league roster. Um, I think 2023 is far-fetched. I'm not expecting them to make the postseason next year. But I also wouldn't say it's totally impossible. I think it's more realistic than even I realized a couple of months ago. Uh, we were doing a show yesterday looking at some uh, some steamer projections for the Diamondbacks going into 2023. Um, if you do steamer projections on the current roster, uh, the way that it worked out is the Diamondbacks were projected to win 84 games. And that's before any additions. That's before adding to a bullpen that was, you know, among the worst in baseball this last year. If you're already at 84 and you're able to add a few pieces this offseason to that, you're kind of in the mix, right? I mean, you're at least sort of um, at the level that you might need to be. The Phillies were in the World Series this last year as an 87-win team. So uh, I think that number's still bullish. Numbers are just numbers at this point. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rockies, I don't think, are, are going to be an above 500 team next year, much less, you know, 
as close to the playoffs as maybe the Diamondbacks might wind up. So uh, hopefully I'm not insulting your audience too much when I say these things, but uh, that's that's the hard truth that I'm delivering today. <laughs> we I don't know what the audience is like in Phoenix. We have a very smart audience. They, they are not uh, fooled easily by uh, the signing of a $182 million left fielder. They, uh, they are well aware that it could be a couple more seasons. 2025 is probably that one, but... As you're talking about with the Diamondbacks, you know maybe they they jump up a, a little bit early, and so this is that year that they contend for a postseason spot when maybe 2024 is is the best time. Anything can happen, so uh, maybe it it goes down even before 2025. But all right, you got the Diamondbacks head of the Rockies. You were right last time, so uh, we'll, we'll see <laughs> if, if you are right again. On Twitter, you're at Jesse N. Friedman, and uh, a lot of free content now. All City Media, we're doing things a little differently. So, uh, if you want to keep tabs uh, on the Phoenix, uh, or rather the the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, there's a daily podcast for that with uh, Derek Montillo, uh, as well as uh, a lot of uh, great written content coming from uh, our buddy Jesse here. Thanks, Patrick. This was fun. Thank you so much, Jesse. Game time tickets is where you're going to get seats on the 50-yard line, right up against the glass. Maybe you were talking right up against the stage. No matter what it is, that's the spot to go. Look, I've gotten seats to Red Rocks concerts uh, for 15 bucks. You know, you can save up to 60% when you wait closer to the first pitch on game time. That's one of the really cool benefits of this app uh, that I've been using for about a decade. 15 million people all across the world uh, have already downloaded the game time app and have scored the best seats to all their favorite events hit the link in our description to save because it does benefit us in a real nice way. It's game time tickets and the game time app pins and aces, man, Colorado family owned golf and apparel business. Love supporting local. That money ends up staying here. More of it does than with another kind of corporation like that. You don't have to worry about that pins and aces. They are the official golf apparel partner of dnvr we love our gear i think they're they've got a black friday drop where they've got purple and white and purple and black caps so uh, the broncos colors that they've used the broncos colorway uh, have looked fantastic uh, on on people's heads they got a, a, a rockies variant now the rockies colorway is looking fantastic keep your eye out for that Check out pinsandaces.com and use promo code DNVR to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Athletic Greens, we've been talking about it. That's how I start my day. I had a rough night last night. I was working hard on a couple things. Woke up this morning, not feeling my best. Couldn't wait for that cup of coffee. But I took my one scoop of Athletic Greens into a nice cold cup of water, and that helped rejuvenate me and allowed me to, to forego that first cup for quite some time. It's, it's fantastic because all it is is one scoop and you get 75 uh, high quality vitamins, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. It's a micro habit with major benefits to make it easy. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is head over to athleticgreens.com slash Rockies. Yeah, it's the full word right there. Athleticgreens.com slash Rockies to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Our guy, Jesse, clearly not in on the hype train for Zach Veen as super producer Kale pointing out. He's he's not buying it, but uh, but we are here. 15% is where we're sitting at for Zach Veen. We haven't moved. The line has not budged one bit on the Veenometer. It's been 15% for a little over a week now. So uh, we'll have to wait and see if, if there's any news coming out of, of Rocky's camp or on Zach Veen. If we need to bump that up, 15% chance he is going to be on that opening day roster and 100% chance that if he does, he will immediately make an impact and should be in the running for the National League Rookie of the Year Award in 2023. News has come out of Los Angeles. Angels now acquire outfielder Hunter Renfro. From the Milwaukee Brewers, they gave up three relievers in this deal. Not any of major consequence. Um, Renfro is set to make about $11 million in his final year of arbitration. And you begin to feel a little bit better about this Brent Suter situation. We had talked about it with Susie earlier in the week. You know Why was he waived by the Brewers? He's only making $3 million. That doesn't seem to be very much for a left-handed reliever. They must have cheaper league minimum options there uh, out of the bullpen coming from the left-hand side, and they're they're just shitting payroll, right? First, it was uh, 
Suter at $3 million, the Brewers end up saving. Now Renfro's $11 million on the roster. Next, it sounds like Colton Wong, second baseman extraordinaire, is going to be next with his $10 million deal. So Brewers really just trying to just save some money here right now. And if you get a chance to, to see this somewhere, it's out there in the world, or just do a Google search. When you search Hunter Renfro, the baseball player, not the football player with the exact same name, he looks exactly like Mike Trout. They, they look like twins. That's going to create for uh, some very, very interesting moments in the dugout in Los Angeles. It was interesting last year. You had Taylor Ward and Tyler Wade. You also had Noah Syndergaard, and I can't even remember the other guy's name, but he looked exactly like Noah Syndergaard. So they've they've got some weird Freaky Friday kind of stuff uh, going on, or rather, I, I should say, uh, parent swap type situations going on there uh, in Anaheim. You also uh, may have heard last week, Gio Urshela was acquired by the Angels from the Twins. He's a third baseman, really. He's played a little bit of shortstop, uh, but I, I'm, I'm not convinced Anthony Rendon and uh, and his injuries this past year are, are past him. You hope they are. And we do see uh, Gio Urshela at shortstop and Rendon more at third base. But we'll kind of wait to see what happened as, you know, Artie Moreno trying to get Otani and Trout back to the postseason with uh, with everybody's pieces that they don't want. Uh, it certainly could work. These are good players. These are quality players, no doubt. We know they signed Tyler Anderson a couple weeks ago there, three years, $39 million. They're, they're winning the offseason so far, sure, uh, with these three acquisitions, but you know it, it really won't be hard to, to eventually overtake them. MLB has found no collusion between the Yankees and Mets regarding Aaron Judge's free agency. Mets uh, or Mets had kind of had some reports come out that, you know, hey, he's kind of a Yankee guy, so you know, we're not really too interested in that. Sounded a bit fishy, but MLB investigated it and Regardless of what they found, they have determined, hey, no collusion going on there. Now, I, I did want to briefly talk about some comments that Rob Manfred made recently. Uh, he was talking to MLB headquarters following a, a quarterly meeting. And uh, in discussing the new rules, he said, quote, I am aware, cognizant may be the best word, that we're doing a lot next year, referring to 2023. And sometimes you need to make sure you see how. It's a lot of big changes next year, and I think they're really important. I think they're going to make the game better, but we need to watch carefully how they unfold. That's an important variable in terms of what's next. Because, yes, it almost sounds like, from other comments as well, there could even be more new rules in 2024. I don't know that they're going to be as drastic as the ones that we're seeing in 2023. There really could just be modifications on what we're going to see in 2023 with the pitch clock, with the larger bases, and with the the banning of the shift. So I think we might just see alterations to those things that are coming down in 2024, but uh, we haven't even played 2023 to see how that's going to change the, the play here in MLB. Does that mean maybe we do see the ABS system, right? The automatic ball strike system? Again, that remains to be seen. I think the technology might be a little bit further away than we expect. Also, if you've been tracking any of the Arizona Fall League, you know they've got a, a very cool system in place, or they had a very uh, cool rule in place in which teams would basically had the option to say, hey, you know what? Check that one. The umpire called it a, a strike against me, but I want you to check that one. And then, boom, right on the scoreboard, it would show you the pitch coming in, kind of like we see it when we're watching it. At home, a little bit of more of a 3D type dimension than the uh, Subaru Strike Zone that we get uh, on AT&T Sportsnet, uh, but similar to like StatCast and, and and whatnot. And you could see where that pitch is, and very quickly, hey, you know what? Umpire called it a strike. I think it's a ball. Let's go ahead and check that one for the review. Boom, it's up on the scoreboard. That was a ball. That's how quickly that could turn around, and and so that will be incredibly interesting to see uh, if and when that does happen in 2024 or beyond that. Minor League Baseball, they're getting their own collective uh, bargaining agreement too. Uh, they're getting a CBA because now uh, MLB has acknowledged that Minor League Baseball and the Minor League Players Association uh, is is a real thing. And so that will be uh, very interesting to see how that progresses and, uh, and any interesting wrinkles that come about that. Again, all of that should be really good for minor league ballplayers. The, the one piece of news that definitely has been quite bad for Major League Baseball, if you've been keeping tabs on it, is the FTX 
situation. It's it's one of these these kind of coin apps or coin trading uh, sites and apps. And Major League Baseball got in bed with them. Uh, it's not clear how much money that they lost, but FTX high profile collapse. There's all kinds of controversy uh, around the the head of the company, SBF Sam Bankman Fried. Uh, it, it can be some heady stuff, but it, it's worth checking out. Uh, Rob Manfred did uh, also say in that quarterly meeting, uh, they're going to be a little bit more cautious moving forward. And I think, yeah, anything involving cryptocurrency, you got to be very cautious with that. Shohei Otani was in commercials for FTX. Uh, I think he was paid in coins, uh, if you will. So uh, it, it's an interesting situation uh, going down. Manfred uh, declined to specify how much money MLB is losing uh, with the arrangement that they've had with FTX. But Manfred did say it's a very good bet that we will no longer be seeing those FTX patches on umpires' uniforms. It's a good bet, but it's it's not a lock. That that would be an embarrassment, really, uh, if they had to continue to do something like that. So uh, that definitely backfired uh, in an incredibly major way for uh, Major League Baseball, and uh, they're 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 kind of catching some of the shrapnel with with everything going down right now, uh, based around that. So. Appreciate you guys joining us here uh, on the DNVR Rockies podcast. I think I'm going to record a quick little freebie for Thursday, maybe 10, 15 minutes. You'll you'll drop that uh, in your inbox there. Uh, but I want you to have something there if, uh, for for those of you that are addicted to what uh, Susie and I do uh, and getting your baseball news and, and all that. We have a fun time talking to you. So uh, I think that makes sense. And, of course, you know Susie will be back. I think she'll be at her normal five o'clock slot. She's always has great guests based on uh, anything that's going in and around the game of baseball. She'll be uh, broadcasting live from North Carolina. So you're getting North Carolina Susie Hunter there. Uh, we'll see what the vibes are like. Uh, it, it's always going to be fun. It's always going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I tune in. I even comment on it when, when Susie has her shows because it's uh, it's always entertaining, always informative, always a good time over on the Twitter side at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at. Appreciate your time. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as your next show. So hope to see you on Friday with Susie at 5 p.m.